Welcome to Families for Life with Brian and Brian, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we're talking about the nature of the word, part four, clarity. Listeners. Hi, Brian and listeners. It's good to be back. It is good to be back. <laughs> Brian we're, always rolls his eyes at me whenever we have our intro. <laughs> we're in a little goofy mood today, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a good thing. That's actually a good thing because it's, it's not always to, it's not always true that we're in. It's the end of the week for us. So, you know, it's yeah. like whatever. We're like in the don't whatever care, ready for the weekend mode. <laughs> no, but you know what we do care about, though? The Bible. The Bible. Yes. yes. Which we're talking about part four. So really, this means that we're over halfway done. We've only got two more episodes yeah. of this left. So yeah. the plan is to uh, record one more episode and do a special um, episode that will be maybe a maybe a Thanksgiving or right. pastor's yeah. perspective, mm-hmm. something we've not figured out yet. And that will get us through the holidays, which mm-hmm. we hope everyone has a fantastic holiday yeah. i'm very excited about thanksgiving yeah me too i, I love yeah that's a whole we'll, we'll talk about thanksgiving and then we'll come we, back and finish we can our talk about that nature of the word series yeah which if you've listened to us for any amount of time you know that our series are normally not this short <laughs> so uh, I, i'll be honest you know we've had a lot of material and we've yeah. had to like you know it's you yes. really have to find a way to kind of condense it, condense it, mm-hmm. and make sure you get the the key things here because right. there's a lot more we could say. Oh my There's gosh, a lot more yeah. we could say about about clarity even yes. today. So let's jump in. Yes. And so a- answer me this, Brian. What is clarity? clarity. Tell me clearly what clarity I is. I can see clearly now. <laughs> no clarity. Uh, this is from. Grudem, this is from Systematic Theology, clarity of scripture means that the Bible is written in such a way that its teachings are able to be understood by all who read it, seeking God's help and being willing to follow it. Yeah. So there are some key points to that, but I think the gist is people can understand the Bible when they sincerely want to. Yeah, we can know and understand God's word. God has made this possible. There's a there's a really great verse yes. in Deuteronomy chapter 30 where they're talking about the law and the commandments, which we yeah. know is is scripture, is the yeah. word of God. And he says, "For this commandment that I've commanded you today is not too hard for you, neither is it too far off." It is not in heaven that we should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. Yeah. And I love that because God in his infinite wisdom doesn't make us go to him. Right. God comes to us. Yeah. God approached Abraham. God approached the Israelites. God sent Jesus. All of these things God did so that we could know him. Yeah. And he gives us his word so that we can know him. Isn't that amazing? I, I love that. And, you know, if we didn't have God doing this, I mean, even all of creation, he designed it with his, you know, imprint on, like in such a way that we, you know, creation cries out to the glory of God. And so we recognize the the creator in that. 
but he specifically brings us the word and makes it understandable. That's right. Um, and so that's what's great about uh, the Bible. And uh, I want to talk a, a, a little bit more about this idea of who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us when we get down to uh, understanding. Sure. Because uh, I think sure. that's a pretty mm-hmm. cool statement that's in the Old Testament that we see uh, come sure. back. Uh, well, we but, do know that God's word does affirm its own knowability. That's the point that we're trying to make, right? Yeah. The Bible tells us that it is knowable. Right. It's like, hey, you can do this. You you can understand what I'm saying. Well, we're and we're encouraged the we're encouraged to study it. The very first Psalm says, blessed is the man who not who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But listen to this. Yeah. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates, meditates. day and night. So there's yes. a there's a, a an implication to people that want to know God that they can study his word and we meditate on it. We know it. We learn it. And there's a difference. I, I tell students especially this. There's a difference between reading the Bible and meditating on the Bible, mm. thinking about it. You know, we read the Bible so that we can think about right. it, and that's the point. We're encouraged to to consider what God has said. Right? It's going to make you wise. In Psalm nineteen seven, it says, "The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise, uh, making wise the simple." Yeah, this is a praise God for this because a couple, you know, us two just simple guys. Yeah. As you <laughs> like to say, some jabronis, you know, just hanging out like the Bible gives us wisdom. The Bible gives us wisdom. I'd and be, I'd be lost without it, man. This is not the only place that this says this, but here's the, here's the great thing. The, the, the simple, per, the, the normal everyday person yeah. is made wise by reading the, the, the word of God. You know, Grudem had a really great story about this. He went to preach at this church and there was a deacon that came and talked to him mm afterwards and was asking him all kinds of insightful questions and, and all kinds of just great encouraging things. They were having great theological discussions. And later on, he found out that this, this deacon who teaches the word and preaches, he travels and preaches. He's a simple farmer and he only learned to read four or five years ago. Oh my goodness. But what would happen is he would have somebody read the Bible to him and he would study it by, by hearing. And, wow. and then he himself would go teach the word of God after memorizing the text. So you would think a, wow. a person who is a simple country folk, yeah. didn't know how to read, could learn the wisdom of God from yeah. the word. And then he eventually did learn to read. And so think about how much that opened up the word to yeah. him as well. But that just illustrates that we don't necessarily need uh, a scholar to right. interpret. We don't need a priest to interpret. Yeah. We need the word of God. Right. We need the word of God and uh, and we need we need the Holy Spirit though. We do need the Holy Spirit. Well and, and this, that's what we're getting to so get to. The Bible can be understood by all, but there is a spiritual quality right. that's needed for clarity, right? right. I mean this is it, yes. this is this is where Anyone can read the word of God, but to, to grasp the full yes. meaning, you I, must have that spiritual, I, the spiritual, uh, quality. Right. I, I think of it as, uh, the, the idea that like logically people can understand what the Bible is logically saying, mm-hmm. but there's something about spiritual wisdom that just cannot be grasped, right. grasped by somebody who is not uh, a, a believer. And, and the reason why I say that is experientially my own experience, mm-hmm. but also 
Um, the Bible says it clearly. First Corinthians two fourteen. It says the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Right. So Paul taking it from the negative perspective, saying if you are not a believer, it's going to be hard for you to fully grasp the meaning uh, of what God is saying in His Word. Right. And so there's a there's a gospel understanding that makes it different for us. And I kind of equate this to like learning to ride a bike. You know, whenever you learn to ride a bike, you really struggle to find that balance point. And then all of a sudden, yep. you just click. Something happens. And you just you're like, oh, I got it. Yep. I figured out just my I connected my mind and yep. my body to find that balance point. And now I'll never lose that. You know, they always say, uh, you know, you yep. never forget how to ride a bike. Right. Yep. And, you know, that's kind of like when you become a believer, you find that balance point. It just clicks in your brain and you read the word of God and it's it's alive. Yeah. I mean, that's that's exactly what he says. Right. In uh, Hebrews 412, the word of God is living and active. Yeah. That means it comes alive that's to right. us as believers. Well, and that's it's active in our spirits. We're we're because when you become a believer the Holy Spirit, you're born again, right? The Spirit comes in. That's uh, John chapter 3, Jesus and Nicodemus. You're born again, and the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and, and brings you to life in Christ, and you you now have the love of God in your heart. Okay, and we've talked about this. Who wrote the Bible, right? The Holy Spirit, ultimately. He is he is the one who inspired the right. So you have the author living in you. Right. And so, like, the, the Word of God is living and active, and you have the author of the living and active Word inside of your heart. So this, this yeah, there's something beautiful that happens. And if you're not a believer, then, then you have not experienced this yet. Yeah. But if you are a believer and you've spent time in the Word, then, then every believer I know has experienced this. Yes. And so well, this is a, this is exactly what Jesus promised in John 14 and John 16 because he says the helper the spirit will come the father will send him in my name and he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you John 14:26. So the spirit is a teacher. Yeah. And as we interact with the word of God in our lives then he will teach us. Yeah. He will help us to know these things. Yes. And he's our guide. John 16, 13, it says, you know, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He's not speaking on his own authority, but whatever he, he hears, he will speak. He'll declare those things to you. And so what we're hearing is that the Holy spirit is our guide. He is our helper. And, and the thing about this is that we're not told that we're just going to magically know the Bible. Right. That's not what it's saying. But it is saying that as we apply ourselves to spending time with God in His Word, uh, we we are going to grow uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit and right. by the Word mm-hmm. uh, being understood because right. it's clear. Well, and we must we must rightly interpret God's Word. Right. Uh, right, right. This is this is where we're talking. Th- this is really where clarity finds. Um, this is sort of where it meets the the, the real world here yeah. is because we can read the Bible. God's made it to where it's knowable, but there are people that misunderstand the Bible. And so we have to speak to interpretation. Yes. And this is interesting because it is funny. You can have conversations with people about the same text and have right. just totally different interpretations. And there are, there are reasons for that. That's not just 
coincidental or accidental. There are actual things that you can trace as to like, how did you come to that conclusion? Right. Um, but we've got here, second Timothy two fifteen, uh, where Paul is imploring Timothy to be a man of God's word. Who's going to rightly divide it. Right. He says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So there is a, a right way to interpret, right? This is what Paul's driving at. He's saying, Timothy, as you preach, as you teach, as you learn, as you grow, you must do it in the right way. Yeah. And so interpretation is not bad. In yes. fact, interpretation is very good. If we look at the example of Jesus, Jesus helped us to rightly interpret the Old Testament in light of his teaching. So Jesus was a fan of interpreting God's right. word. Right. You know, Jesus never blamed people's confusion on the obscurity of scripture. If you go back and you read, he would say, doesn't That's, God's word say, have you say, not read? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you not read? But then he would say, but you say to the mm-hmm. Pharisees, mm-hmm. he would mm-hmm. say, you say this, but that's God's good. word says this. Yeah, he. that's that's really good to hear because, you know, if we want to be Christ-like, then what we need to do is is say what the word says. Right. You know, uh, he did that all the time. Instead of what we think about the word, what right. do we say? No, what? just say what the word says. Right. And so uh, the, the thing about this is it can be tricky, uh, but there's uh, some really great scholars. And so... We're going to talk about why we even use scholars later on, but but there are some great people who help us think really, through what interpretation is. Yeah, How does that's it work? what we're driving at is interpretation. Now, right. you might hear this big, here's a $5 fancy word, hermeneutics. Yes. The study of how to interpret the Bible. Really, right. it's, the, it's the study of, it's not so much the application, but it's understanding how do we... The, yeah. the science of interpretation, and it's, really. And it's, tech, it's not even, I, I just want to say this because this was intriguing to me when I was learning it. It's re, it's not even about the Bible. It's literally just the 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 science and art of interpretation, period. Right. So like, so we're not just, this is not just a Christian thing. This is just, this is just true. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it comes, there are biblical reasons why this is true, but... But it's just true. You can apply these principles to understanding anything. Well, that you with every read. with every piece of literature, there are rules, and this is what why Doctor Stein says um, we are playing by the rules. Right. There are rules when we interpret all literature and especially scripture. And so, if you have someone that is not playing by the rules, we have to be careful. Let me yes. give you a perfect example. Um, Rob Bell wrote a book recently in the last couple of years called "What Is the Bible," and he mm-hmm. sought to explain the Bible and explain his, how Take he interprets it. the Bible and what is the Bible. Yeah. It was kind what of what he says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looked at history. He looked at some things there, but really it was, um, it, it would lead you astray because he does not, he, a lot of it is saying what's my perspective on yeah. the Bible and then working backwards right. to, 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 just, and then putting that onto the Bible right. instead of looking at like, like what we said with Jesus, like instead of taking the Bible for what it says right. and then telling you that there's, he would there, say what, what he thinks about it and putting on top. There's of the no Bible. ancient literature, no scholar that would say that's the right way to interpret right. anything. Right. Exactly. And so what we have to do is look primarily you can't look primarily from your perspective. Yes. Right. That's not, that's not, people do this all the time. And this is the questions they ask when they approach scripture first are like, what does this mean to me? Or how does this apply to my current situation? And really 
That's the last question we should ask. I, I, that was a game changer for me when I was learning, when I was studying uh, the Bible and learning how to interpret things. When, when somebody called out the fact that I, I mean, I would do this. Like, what does this mean to me? And it's like, well, that's not the question you should ask. What you need to ask is, what did the author mean? Like the author is the one who wrote it, not you. Right. So what did what did he mean? We come to the wrong interpretation if we start with, with us. us. And yeah. so I will say Dr. Robert Stein has a great book and it's so easy to read. Anyone yeah. can understand it. It is. I don't know, Brian, that there's been an improved volume on this, but it's called A Basic Guide to Interpreting the Bible. Yeah. Playing by, by the, the rules. rules. And you had you had him. I, in school. I had the privilege, one yeah. of my seminary semesters it was one of his last semesters i think he taught at southern uh, to have dr stein and it was a very it was a privilege to have him because he's forgotten more than he'll ever know about interpreting the bible (laughs) (laughs) more than we'll ever know than i'll ever know yeah yeah and and what's funny i used this book we had this book in my hermeneutics class i didn't know he taught at southern before and so when we talked about i was like man that's so cool i was kind of jealous of you but um, but yeah, he's got some great information here. So, so yeah, this is out of his book. This is sort of a basic kind of layout. There's so much that we could say about hermeneutics. Yeah, it's unbelievable. We just need to get the, the basics here. So let's talk about the roles needed that we need to define. We're yeah. going to define the text, the author, and the, the reader. reader. Yeah. Who Brian, the first question we need to answer is who determines the meaning of the Bible? And <laughs> What are the dangers? What are the effects of each role if you define it by that by that person rather than starting with yes, yeah. So the question, yeah, that's exactly right. So who's who gets to determine what it means? We kind of talked about the reader. The reader, already. if yeah. if we start the interpretation, we end up with not the and, correct. And we see that with everything in our world today. I mean, that's that's if you know anything about like constitutional interpretation, like that's the big that's the big question there is who determines what the constitution right. means the writers or us currently today. Uh, you know, that's a big debate. Well, and I uh, will say this is sort of a modernist and a postmodernist sort of view. The the modernist right. uh started this because and, and really kind of went into postmodern with in in the 60s where you would have art pieces or literature pieces or film pieces. The the authors would oftentimes not not give their interpretation and they would say whatever it means to, to you, you right. is what is how you interpret it. Right. Well, in one sense, they are giving a meaning. Right. Because they're saying my artwork is what it means to you. Exactly. But we can't take the Bible that was never intended to be that and put that on it. Right. I right. can't I can't look at the Bible and say it's whatever it means to yeah. me because the Bible is not written that's in that way. That's not what it said. That's not what the author and so that's okay, that's really what we're talking about. We're already in this the role of the author, right? We're already talking so about let's, that. What what is the role of this is the the traditional way of understanding is the author should be the one to define the meaning of his book, yes. right? Yes. And and I it's so funny how 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 easy it is to not think this way but once you start thinking about it it's like this is the only thing that actually makes sense but it's so easy to not think this way i did not think this way until i started until until somebody showed me this mm-hmm. and it was like hey are you paying attention to the author and right. i was like no i wasn't at all and i i did not understand what i was reading half the time mm-hmm. And so this is so important. It really matters. And so what we have to understand is that the author is the one, for for biblical interpretation, the author is the one receiving the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write the text. And so the meaning should first begin with him because 
because that's who it's coming from. Right. And though this requires us to study the author and his intent, right? Yeah, this is where we have to understand the historical context. We have to know what's the date. We must understand the occasion for the writing and the intended audience. Now, I will say any good study Bible is going to give you this. this right at the beginning of the chapter. You go to yeah. the ESV study Bible, it has the date, the occasion, the themes, the intent. It has all of this in there. They've yeah. done the work for you. And I will tell you, Brian, when when I read that and then I'm reading the book, it, it brings it alive uh, to me because I can be like, okay, I'm reading Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. What's what's going on with the Corinthian church at this time? Right. Where is Paul at at this time in his life? Where is he physically, geographically located? And if I think of all those things, then it helps me to understand the text much more clear, much clearer. I have in my Bible, I mean, it's not a study Bible. It's just a normal Bible with like footnotes and stuff. And it has all that. It has like the author, the, the, the reason for writing, the context, historical... And it's less than a page. I mean, it's not even a lot. And I can't tell you how helpful that is, even from preaching. Like, I, I go to that just so that I have like, okay, here's here's where we're at. And and it just sheds the light on everything. You understand what they're saying because you know why they're saying it. Yeah. Uh, you understand who's saying it. You you get all this. And it, and it matters. Uh, for instance, like the, the Synoptic Gospels, right? Mm-hmm. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They, they they say almost the same thing, very similar, a little bit different in different times. And why is all that happening? Well, a lot of it's because they're writing to different authors, or I'm sorry, to different audiences. Right. Um, if and you so, know the audience of that, yeah. that the author's writing to, it's a little more nuanced. Like, like, oh, that's why Mark would bring it out that way, because his audiences would be thinking about it this way, because right. of who they are. And that's just that just makes sense. It's like you you talk to people differently based on who they are. And so that's what the authors are doing all the time. So that's the role of the author. And that requires us to do a little bit of study on who's writing and why they're writing and the occasion for them writing. But then we go to the role of the text. And this is where we we study the author and now we apply that to the passage. And this is where we get into a lot of the, the yeah. hermeneutical stuff where we understand genre context, translation, original languages, you know, and sometimes you feel like a detective, you know, you're trying to piece things together uh, in the story. One of the things I love is, for instance, after the time of Jesus, the only narrative we have is the book of Acts, Mm -hmm. but there's, there's, it's a very brief narrative to the early church and there's a lot going on, but we can pick up other stories from like Paul's letters and Peter and all those kind of things. We can piece together some clues. Uh, one devotion I was reading talked about Paul's sort of go-to guy who would deliver the letters for him. Yeah. I think it was uh, Tychicus. Am I saying that right? One of the ways. It's either, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's Tychicus but, or Tychicus. But yeah. he was the guy who accompanied uh, Onesiphorus. You know, he yes, was the guy yeah. who took the letters. You don't know him, but you you hear him you hear in his name. different in different gossip and mm. different letters. And you kind of pick up a theme that like he was one of the guys Paul relied on. Right. You wouldn't know that if you didn't do some study to understand where he was coming from, what what's happening around this. And so this is some of where we piece together some of these things in the text to give us a fuller understanding. This is what we do with theology, right? We understand a theological concept by taking the themes and the verses that, that apply to that theology and putting them together and yep. understanding a, we have a full understanding of a theological concept because we're reading the text. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, 
this is this is gonna. It's kind of like what we do with movies and TV shows, especially when there are movies and TV shows that are about the same things. Uh, I'm just thinking of like the Marvel universe or mm-hmm. things like that, where you've got this movie that has this story arc. Uh, and maybe you have several movies, right? But then you have this TV show that's off to the side that's telling a similar story that's in the same arc, but it's it's off to the side. And you have to think through, like, all you got to do is just watch them and pay attention, and you can see how they go together. And you've got people who will spend hours and hours and hours thinking and pontificating online about how this all pieces together. Well, that's what we do with the text. We see the text and we recognize like, okay, here we've got Paul writing a letter, right? And so that's different from Luke writing this narrative about what has happened. And, and But then we see how they connect together. And it's just, it is actually a lot of fun if you, if you just give it a little well, bit of time. And you can't read all of the different genres the same way. Right. You can't, yeah. you can't interpret the genres the same way. That's why, that's why understanding and studying the text is so important. That's why context is important. That's why all of these things are, are very important. And really, Brian, there are some passages that are hard to understand right. that are unclear. I've even done a Bible study on the hard sayings of Jesus. Yeah. You know, how do you, how do you reconcile these things? <laughs> but here's the thing. Whenever we run across an unclear passage, we look at what is clear. Right. We look at the truths of the Bible that are very clear to us. Right. And I had a seminary professor say to me one time, how many times does the Bible need to say something for it to be true? Yeah. Once. Once. Right. You know, so even if the Bible says something one time, we have to take that as as the word of God. Right. You know, and so there's some of these themes that come into play, some of these rules that we talked about when it comes to interpreting, right. interpreting. the text. And there's more we could say there, but yeah, we don't have time. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that really all just comes down to understanding the things like the genre, the content, all of that. We just got to understand it. But so now what's the role we have, of yeah, the reader? Our, our role. So we are the reader, right? The reader takes the intended author's meaning along with proper interpretation of the text and by the work of the Holy Spirit, he uses the study for personal and public edification of the church. So, so what that means is that uh, the reader is not the one telling the text what it is and what it means. The reader is not telling the author what he said and what he meant. The reader is is listening to the to the author and to the text, and then through guidance from the Holy Spirit, he is. Uh, understanding it, applying these rules. Oh, this is poetry that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so I need to understand that it's talking a certain way. And now I understand what it says and I'm going to apply that to my life. Right. There's one, there's one meaning of, of a text of a passage or exactly. of a letter. There can be many applications to us though. We don't yes. have to be locked into just because it's one meaning we can take that and say, what is God teaching me from that meaning to my life? For instance, let me give this you is this, the is best a, one. this is yeah. a great example. Paul says in Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine. Does he also mean vodka, beer, whiskey? Does I mean, are well, those things? He didn't say that. He didn't so. say that. But the reader can safely interpret right. the text saying what Paul is speaking against is drunkenness. So any means by which we find ourselves drunk he would be against. Right. Exactly. Right? And that's the thing. There's So the meaning is, you know, what is he saying? He says, don't be drunk, but be filled by the Holy Spirit, right? And so we understand through, through proper interpretation 
He's talking about this idea of drunkenness. What, so what is drunk? He means drunkenness, but we would recognize other things cause that same state of Any mind. Any alcoholic beverage that gets you drunk right. would be something that, right. that he would be speaking against. And I would even uh, bring that further in application to like uh, drugs and things that cause inebriation, mm-hmm. right? And so I think the idea, you can, you can see that... Um, that application to our lives. Right. And so we would say, don't be inebriated by anything is really what he's getting at. Right. Um, so that's just one example, yeah. it, but it is our job of the reader to study and learn so we can rightly apply the text to our lives and the ones that we are teaching. Yeah. And there's right. so, so much more we could say. We're not going to. Yeah. I would um, encourage everyone to re- if you're interested in yeah. interpreting the Bible, read Stein. It is, it is a very user-friendly uh, easy to read book, easy yes. to understand. <clears throat> so good. Uh, um, Kevin DeYoung has some really good uh, things to just sum up uh, some of what we've been saying. Yeah, this comes from that book we talked about last week, which is a great kind of talks about all of the topic, hits on all the topics we're talking about. And he kind of summed up in, in a couple things here. He says, some portions of the scripture are clearer than others. Not every passage has a simple or obvious meaning. Yes. The main things we need to know, believe, and do can be seen clearly in the Bible. And he also says, though the most essential doctrines are not equally clear in every passage, they are made clear somewhere in Scripture. Yes, and so he continues, that which is necessary for our salvation can be understood even by the uneducated, provided they make use of the ordinary means of study and learning. And then finally, he says, the most important points of Scripture may not be understood perfectly, but they can be understood sufficiently. Right. I that kind of goes back to some of the conversation we had last week. Right. This is important because what this is essentially saying is that, like, even children can understand this. I mean, they can get it. And they, they might not understand everything yet, but, like, you're not supposed to get everything immediately. Right. That's the whole point of us spending time with God throughout our lives as we continue to grow in Him. Um, but you can understand it, and uh, and and when you can't understand it, there are parts of Scripture that make it clear uh, elsewhere, and that's why we have to keep going to the Bible. Right, exactly. So as we think about the Bible, someone might just say, all I need is the Bible, which really is true. <laughs> We're kind of saying sense, that, yeah. <laughs> but... We also, you, I'm sitting in your office and you have bookshelves, right? right? You go to my office, I have bookshelves. We're talking about books that we've read about these things. You go to Pastor Allen's office, he's got books galore. Yes. And so we ask ourselves, what, why would I read other books than the Bible? And really this is, what's the role of the scholar? Yes, because that's, yeah, exactly. This, this is why we need other books to help us study because we can't know everything there is to know about every biblical discipline. To, to me, the way I, I really wrestled with this, like, because I, I really believe firmly in, in the sufficiency of scripture and I believe in the clarity of scripture. And, uh, but why do I read other people? Well, why do I talk to other people about things? Why would I talk to somebody about the Bible? I mean, why would I need somebody to help me grow? Why would I need a man like iron sharpening iron? You know what I mean? Well, it's the same principle. Really, reading somebody's book is not it's not it's not supplanting scripture. It's me letting somebody else disciple me through their through their book, really. Yeah, well, and when I went to seminary, there was there was very few professors 
that were a scholar in New Testament and Old Testament. They would specialize because there was so much to know and learn. And even in that, you would have you would have somebody that would specialize in the law or the Pentateuch, or you would have somebody specialize in the prophets or, you know, different things like that. And it's just part of it's just part of the the scholar's work to dive as deep as you can in one area. And it's hard to it's hard to get the entire Bible, theology, history, right. um, Greek, Hebrew. It's hard for everyone to be an ex it's it's impossible to be an expert in everything. Right. You can't. And there are some people who are more I mean, they are they are able to be more expert light sure. in these things, but they are still experts in in few things more so than they are in everything. Right. You so just can't know everything. That's why it's helpful to go to some of these scholars that are good resources to find good resources. And, you know, there's, there's books, there's websites, there's lots of great things. So let's talk about some of those resources that we've used. You know, um, what, what about some, di- you know, digital things are kind of at our fingertips, Brian, all the time. You know, I've used a website called Blue Letter Bible, which has been great because it has uh, a concordance built in, it has Greek and Hebrew, yeah. uh, it has all kinds of great study resources that, you know, commentaries and things like that. What are some other digital things yeah. that you've used? I think a lot of these are going to be very similar. Um, these are just some trustworthy ones, right? You know, you, we really enjoy these. And if you trust us, then, then I, we think that you can trust these like Logos, uh, L O G O S Logos. That's a great one. That's a lot of pastors and theologians use that. Um, Bible arc is another one. That's more like language. If you really want to dive deep into language studies, you know, there's, there's that and Bible gateway. I mean, I use that regularly, uh, like all the time. Um, and it's just got so many resources, but we don't only want to be in the digital world because you know, there's, those have some really good resources, but there's even deeper things that you can go to. Every Christian that is going to study and teach others needs to have sort of a basic library. Don't you think? Well, I, I, I think, you know, this is something I, I'm going to say this. Uh, my mom would be very adamant about this. My, my grandfather too, you know, he, they were, uh, my, my mom's still around <laughs> my granddaddy. He was an you know, electrician. My mom is just, she's my mom and they have study stuff like crazy. Mm-hmm. They have library of study things and, and they're trying to teach people how to use these tools. Um, I think it's easy for us to think, if you're going to be a pastor or you're going to teach somebody, you need to have these things. I would say if you're going to be a Christian and you want to just learn more about the Bible, man, you can get some awesome books and you don't have to be a professional to yeah. do this. Right. So, so if I'm talking to somebody who's new to studying the Bible, what are, what are books that I would encourage them to have in their library that they can know? One of the, the biggest things they need to have is a single volume book on theology. Yes. You know, Wayne Grudem, we've talked about that systematic theology is great. There are others out there. You know, there's a a book called historical theology. Um, There is uh, Christian theology by Erickson. We talked about that Mm -hmm, last week, mm -hmm. but I think everybody needs a single volume theology book that they can go to. And when you say, man, I have a question on the Trinity, I can flip to the chapter on the Trinity I can see all the verses. I can do the yeah. study right from there and 
you're good. I, I bought that for my granddaddy, and he loved it. I mean, he he loved it. It was one of the best gifts uh, I gave him, I think. But uh, one of the things about this is just going to people who know this stuff. Like, Brian, on our list here that we've got, most of these things you've written down. Like, so I go to you for like, hey, what's a good resource? We go to Alan for, hey, what's a good resource? We go to people who we trust, right? And so you build these libraries of things. Um, you, you need other commentaries, right? A lot of times, single volume commentaries are really, really good because it's one person writing yeah. particularly about yeah, that. Yeah, right? I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. I there's, there's several that I have. I don't use them very much mm-hmm. because they're just not as, they're just not as, as deep, you know? Okay, I hear you. Uh, they're very, like, I have the... Uh, the uh, life application volume commentary. Yeah. I yeah. Have yeah. One yeah. by Warren Wearsby. And I just don't use them very much because they just don't have a lot of content. Cause they're trying to get the entire Bible oh, in one, right. In right. One volume. No, no. And I'm not talking about, I'm sorry. What I'm talking about is I guess more these individual volumes of like, so for well, instance, one of the best things I have on Isaiah is a, as a sing, it's not a part of a series, right? Oh. It's just its own. So I'm saying a, a, a a commentary that isn't necessarily part of a series. Uh, sometimes those can be the best because because they're not pigeonholed into like a this is what well, we're trying to do. Well, most of the series are written by different authors, right? Usually, rarely is there a commentary written by know, one guy. Maybe yeah. MacArthur and people like that, but rarely is there a commentary that's you know most modern day commentaries are by several authors, and not all of the volumes of a commentary are good. You know, ones that I like are um, you know the reformed expository commentary is really mm-hmm. good. And most of those volumes I found are really good. Uh, focus on the Bible is good. Some of the volumes of the new American commentary are yeah. good. We we've used the Christ centered exposition, which is a very cheap uh, individual volume yeah. series as well. Yeah. I think that's a great one, especially if you're like, Hey, I'm new to this, like studying uh, the Bible thing. Christ centered exposition is a great a series to go to Holman old and new Testament commentary series. That's pretty intense, really good pillar commentary series. Well, intense, what, really good. What I would do is, is say you're studying a book of the Bible. You know, you're going to be in the book of Daniel, you know, find a good commentary on Daniel exactly, and build your library. You don't have to go buy an entire set. That's what we're trying to but say. Find a, find, you know, you know, look at the reformed expository commentary of Daniel, right. maybe buy that. Yep. You know, because it's going to be a little, a little bit of money, but it's worth it to help you to understand and interpret, uh, Daniel, you know, there are some other books though, that are, that I think we should have. Everybody should have a study Bible. Yeah. The ESV study Bible is, is to me yeah. the gold standard. I think everyone needs to have an ESV study Bible in their library to pull out the the notes. The reference notes are always good. Uh, it's got great, uh, cross reference, things mm-hmm. like that. And then I also think we need a church history. Yeah. One of the ones I really like is the story of Christianity by Gonzalez. Uh, It's a two volume set. And I think that really gives a great cursory understanding of church history. Mm -hmm. It doesn't dive deep into everything. I mean, we've we've got books on Baptist history. We've got books on even like the reformation, just little things. There's, there's volumes and volumes and volumes on events that have happened in Christian history. But I think every Christian needs an understanding of of church history. Don't you think so? Yeah, I fully agree. Uh, and one of the ways to do that is, you know, you can do um, biographies and things like that. That Those are fun. Those are really good and super encouraging. But as far as, like, studying the Bible, like, you get a really good 
understanding of how through church history pastors and theologians have been studying the Bible like what's been the history of of people's interpretation I mean like Augustine and and people like that you, you see that um, but I want to just reiterate the study Bible thing mm. I think that's a huge huge uh, win um, you said the ESV totally agree I think the apologetics study Bible is is a big deal you should you know if you that's one way you can do that there makes that one Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember who makes that one. Um, you could just look it up, though. The Apologetic Study Bible. It's it's everywhere. Um, Zondervan has the NIV Study Bible. I use that a lot, and I love that. And then there's actually uh, an ESV version of the Gospel Transformation Bible. Mm. And I like that because if you don't really see how the gospel is throughout all of Scripture, then then it's hard to understand that. Mm. That bi- that study Bible really makes it yeah. clear. So study Bibles are are a, a good. So so just to reiterate, a single volume theology, church history, study Bible, commentary as you as you need them, as you study God's word. And then there's also some great websites that are out there that help with study and commentary. One of the ones that I really I find myself going to a lot is Ligonier's Ligonier, website. Yeah. Uh, they have tons of resources and I know that I can trust their theology. I don't ever have to like question is this right? Is, is there, is there a theological bent that I don't agree with? That's, that's the hard thing. This is, this is, I think this is why we need to be church people because you need to be able to talk to your pastors about this Yeah, because it is getting harder to find. We really, I love Ligonier and I've never found anything in there that, that I remotely questioned. I was like, wow, that is so biblical. Um, there are other really good ones. I think Desiring God is a really good one um, that you can you can trust. But uh, I would say this is getting harder and harder. It's it's yeah, nice to have go, old books. Yeah, if you go to Google search and just type in a question about the Bible, you don't know what oh, you're going to find. You you'll find out. you'll find some good stuff. Like I've used the website Got Questions. You yeah, know? Mm-hmm. but I I don't know that I can say everything on there right. is good. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I do know that you're if you just type in something on a Google search, you're gonna get all kinds of crazy stuff. So you gotta make sure that your your resources are coming from a good source. How do we judge rightly our sources, Brian? Yeah, first of all, you just have to really constantly compare it to what the Bible actually right. says. You know, at the end of the day, it could be somebody that you respect and love to death, but if they've said something that doesn't line up with scripture, then they are wrong. Right. And I, you know, I, that's true of me. It's true of anybody. If, if we say something contrary to scripture, we're wrong. Right. I also think we don't look for someone to always explain the text. And wh- what I mean by that is you're not look. you're looking for someone to help you do the, the, the exegesis, yeah. but not the application of, of it all the time. If you go read a book by an author and they are pulling out themes and giving you everything you need to apply it to your yeah. life, that's not always helpful. There, it's like, you know, it's, we, don't, we don't need to go always to the Christian bookstore and look on the bestseller section and say, who is the author that just wrote a book to tell me what I exactly. need to know? It's like, I mean, th- this is about maturing and our growth, right? And so with children, we don't want to just, we don't want to keep feeding our children. Like, we, you know what I mean? We want to teach them how to eat. Right. And so that's what we're talking about here. And I think like John Piper does this great thing. I think it's... Um, uh, to the word or something like that, where he dives and he does videos of him 
underlining and, and walking through the text and you get to see him breaking down the stuff and you're like, Oh, that's how you do it. And, uh, and you can, you can take those principles right away. And that those are just quick videos. Right. Um, and so it's you know, important like that it's connected to the Bible. Like, I really think we need to, we need to investigate the sources of, of who we're using and what they believe. We can't just say something's Christian you know, like when because we they the, say it is, yeah. When we got the ESV Bible, I looked and saw who was on the inter, who was on the translation committee, right? Who was on the interpretation committee? Who oversaw the, and one of the names, Wayne Grudem, right? Came up. Like, there oh, was there. I was, know what he thinks about the Bible. <laughs> there were several professors and people that I knew of that I had read their commentaries. Right. I had read their their stuff, their other books, and I knew that the ESV Bible. All of these people had affirmed. A, a biblical belief of inerrancy, of proper interpretation. I knew that all of the people on that committee, all those committees of translation affirmed that. So I right. can now pick up the ESV study Bible and with impunity read it knowing that they've done the best scholarly work on interpretation that they yep. possibly can be done at that time. And even with that, you're not, you're not reading unthinkingly, but you're reading with confidence, right? you know? Exactly. And I think that's, what's so good about having these scholars, because what this does is it doesn't just turn your brain off and make you into a, a, you know, a zombie Christian who just, you know, doesn't actually love the Lord with your mind. Right. Um, what we're talking about is, is having scholars who help us love the Lord with well, our it's mind. giving you the right tools to do the job. I That's, don't know. Yes. I don't know about you. It's so frustrating when you're trying to do a job and you don't have the right tool. Oh and I've goodness. done this before where I try to, I try to make something work. <laughs> yeah. But then I'm like, I go to the, and I'm like, ah, forget it. And I go to the store and I buy the exact right tool. And that job takes five seconds. Yep. And if I just would have got the right tool from the beginning, the job would have been so much easier. Yep. If we have the right tools in our toolbox, the study of God's word can be so much more profitable. Yep. It, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it is much more enjoyable and helpful to our spiritual walk. Right. I mean, a lot of this is honestly just learning how to study. You know, mm. uh, you can do it. it. It is totally, you are totally capable of doing this. Because God made mm. it that way. That's exactly, yes, thank you. And so you stole my thunder. No, I'm kidding. Um, yes, that's he made it this way. And so if you're sitting there, and I've heard this, I don't know what I'm reading. I don't know how to study. Okay. So don't just beat your head into the Bible. Use some of these resources that we've talked about. Right. And, well, first and apply of all, them. I would say, first of all, you need to pray. Because yes, James tells us that if you don't know, God will give you wisdom. Yeah. So you begin to pray and you ask God, God, will you enlighten this text? And Brian, I will tell you, there have been times, even, even yeah. as a Christian for, for 20 plus years, uh, seminary trained, I've looked at a text and I say, I don't know what this is saying. And I've had to wrestle, wrestle literally. Well, not literally figuratively, mentally, mentally yeah. and spiritually wrestle with the passage yeah. until God will reveal the meaning to me. I, I preaching, man, you know, you know how it is when you teach, when you're preaching, whatever, and you've read all the commentaries, you've done all the things you even got an outline and you're like, I still don't know what the, what I'm saying, what this is saying. So we need to and you pray. pray, and then and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I don't know how that. That's just spirit. That's just God. We need to pray and ask God to reveal it to us, and then we need to we need to study. Here's the bottom line: when we here's some practical takeaways. We can understand the Bible. We can learn and study the Bible. You don't have to be a scholar, but we need to be learners. Yes. Yes. The Christian life is a life of learning. Would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. 
that's the whole thing about loving the Lord. That's why I said love the Lord with your mind. I mean, that's love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Love the soul, Lord, love the Lord with your mind. We have to be learners. That's a part of loving the Lord. So what does this do for our faith? Well, it it brings it alive. You know, we said before, we want to be people who are, who believe seeking understanding, right? We have faith that seeks understanding. That's loving the Lord with our mind. And it brings your faith even further into life and fruition because you just see it, you see it coming out. You see it being lived out. Right. Well, the word of God is meant to be applied to our lives. You know, we, we learn it with our heads. Yes. But really as the Holy Spirit impacts us, it affects our hearts and then finally, it goes out through our hands. It, it, it's how we live this truth out. There is no, the, the scripture is not meant to just stay in our heads. Right. It's not meant to just stay in our hearts. It's meant to be lived out. It's, it's supposed to be everywhere. The yes. Bible is there for life change. Yeah. And so if we study it, if we learn it, if we know it, our lives will change. This is the sanctification that God is talking about because he says you are sanctified by the truth. Your word is truth. truth. So how do I become more like Christ? I study the Bible. Amen. And, and here's the thing you're going to, like we said, we're going to change and that's good. You, you should want that. Um, and because we need Christ. And so you're going to serve more. You're going to love better. You're going to evangelize more. You're going to give, you're going to teach, you're going to do all these things. You're going to change, but not just you, right? Like, this is going to make an impact on your family. This is going to change the people around us. This is going to make a difference in our spouses' lives, in our siblings' lives, in our parents' lives, in our children's lives, because we are becoming more and more like Jesus as we read and understand and apply God's word, right? That's right. Yeah, we need to take these principles and teach our children how to study and know God's word. You know, if they they grow up, and don't know how to read God's word, how to know that it's their source of truth, know how to, you know, basics of interpretation, yeah. then that's, that's on us. That that's, that's right. We can't assume that they're just going to figure, I mean that we don't do this with anything. We don't assume that our kids are just going to start learning how to read books. You know what I mean? Like we, we teach them what those letters are and then we help them sound out those letters right. and we, we walk them through the steps and the same is true. I mean, this is just growth. This is just right. normal human growth being applied to reading the Bible. Yeah. We, we, and we need to guide them to good sources of Bible study and devotion. And we need to teach them to be discerning. Now I'm not talking about being like overly discerning where we're critical of every thing because you can go to the other extreme. There's these discernment bloggers, which drive me crazy because (laughs) everybody, they don't allow for anyone to make any, any sort of no room for error. There's no room for mistakes, you know, just, yeah. But what I'm talking about is, you know, it breaks my heart when I see a Christian, somebody in our church, somebody that, that will, that will share a sermon or share a quote from somebody that I know has said heretical things. Right. And it's like, okay, they said something good there maybe, but man, they do not preach the truth of God's word or they do not believe the truth of God's word in in its entirety. Yeah. And it's really sad and it's hard because I don't want to discourage them, but at the same time, I want to say, find good sources. There's so many good things out there. Look for good teaching that right. will guide you to the word of God that will guide you in a closer walk with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. There's there. And, and you know, and I would say 
it is on on us to a degree to help people find those good sources. And I want to try to do a better job at helping people with this. That's part of why we're doing this right here, right now. Well, that's what we're giving you all the stuff that yeah, we're studying from. Exactly. And so we hope and pray that you are hearing us, but also hearing the people that we are learning from. And and the the discipleship. This this is this can be a part. I, I it does not replace one on one discipleship. Don't hear me wrongly, but this can be a part of being sharpened in your faith. And so we hope that that is the case, and we hope that you are able to take these principles and find good sources of of uh, study, and then and then just get into the Word. Yeah. You know, just get in the Bible. I I know some people who've been listening through the Bible. They've listened through the Bible three different times in different versions, and they I I'm just seeing them grow mm. exponentially. They're not reading commentaries. They're they're just listening to the, the Bible. Word of God. Yeah. And uh, while they're working, and I know people who are just reading the Bible with a Bible study plan, and and they're just learning so much and growing so much. Um, well, not, I, had, I had a professor who would always say, you're going to be the exact same person you are today with the exception of the people you meet and the books you read. Mm. And I love that. And it really took me a while for that to click. But to be honest, what he's saying is the influences on your life change you and yeah. mold you and shape you. And yeah. we know that from scripture. That's right. what the Bible tells us. And so how do I want to be molded and shaped? Mm. Do I want to grow closer to God? Then I need to put those shaping yeah. molding influences in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you want to be shaped by? Right. I mean, if I'm getting to choose who's going to change me, I mean, I want it to be the Lord. <laughs> you know what I mean? And people so. that are used by God. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, well, uh, we hope that as you've listened to this, that you are confident that you can read the Bible. You can understand it. It's going to take a little bit of work, but you can do it. And, uh, and as you do it throughout your life, you're going to, you're going to keep growing and learning. It's fun. It's exciting. It's, God, it's awesome. Hold on to the promise. God will make the simple wise. Man. I love amen. that. I hold on to that because that's me right there. <laughs> I need that so bad. <laughs> so if you're like us and you need some wisdom, uh, get into the Bible and, and right. listen to some people who love the Bible uh, just as much. That's right. Good stuff, man. I think right. we're, I think we've wrapped it up here. Thanks for listening. And we'll, we'll see, see you next time. time. gonna be totally funny and Chotsky. 100%. I want the. That is like the party horn, you know? Yes. When we get really hype about something. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Exactly. That's what I want. I'm okay with that. All right. We're gonna have some. We're gonna have some sound effects. We're either gonna get so many more listeners or have none. Or none. I want all or none. All or none. All or nothing. Let's go. <laughs> we have biblical balance, but when it comes to the podcast, <laughs> full send or nothing. I just like we're too we're too progressive, too like ahead of our time. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're not going to be appreciated, right? Yeah, in our time, exactly. And then like all the greats were not years appreciated down the road. It's going to be like the biggest podcast known to man, right? Because of our little sounds, exactly. <laughs> That's the way I think of it. <laughs> oh man.